Good evening. Good evening, my friends. Well, got a little word I want to share with you guys tonight. Praise God. So hopefully you got a, you have a little time. Amen. Hopefully you guys have a little time to jump on with us. Amen. Tonight. Amen. If you're not busy, if you're not busy, amen, come on here and let's get into a little word. Amen. Just something I want to share. Amen. Hopefully I can, this word can, quick little word can bless somebody and help somebody be a strength to somebody. You know, y'all invite some people to come on. Amen. It's a Saturday night. Amen. Y'all come on. If y'all not doing anything, let's get in the word a little bit. Praise God. I, you know, as y'all log on, amen, let me know where you're watching from and Amen. Say hello. Say praise the Lord. Say good evening. Amen. I know God has been good to you. Amen. I know God has been good to me. Amen. Amen. So if God has been good to you, say praise God. Glory to God. Remember, we was talking about in everything, give thanks, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Hello, Kizzy from Baton Rouge, the red stick. Praise God. Got a little word I want to share tonight. Amen. So y'all invite a few people. Amen. Tag tag a few people and tell them to come on, hop on for a little word tonight. Praise the brother Mac all the way from Lake Charles. How you doing, my brother? Good to see you preach. Good to see you, man. Hope all is well with you and the family and the little man. I pray God keeping y'all healthy and strong and Sister Hanisha Baton Rouge. Amen. Y'all invite some people to come on. Amen. As we get praise the Lord, Pastor, Pastor Bernard. Good to see you, my friend. How you been doing, man? How you and the family been doing? Amen. I hope you're keeping us in prayer and we're going to do the same for you. And I hope your church family is doing well. What city is uh, your church in, man? I would love to come visit y'all. See how everybody's doing, my brother. We help us one to another, man. You've always been a kind man to me and my family. Praise God. So we want to make sure we're praying for one another, praying with one another. Praise God. What's the name of your church family, uh, Brother Bernard, Pastor Bernard? Amen. I want to make sure I remember in what city y'all in, and we're going to pray that God does a, a mighty, mighty work with you guys in that city y'all laboring in. Praise God. Amen. So we're going to let a few more people get on and then we're going to jump in the word. Praise God. <clears throat> you know, why, 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 why people realize we're on, I know it was a surprise and unannounced, but that's okay. You know, this lately I've been thinking about the gospel message and just really thinking about the gospel and how it's such a beautiful story. You know, the gospel, when you just start to think about the essence of it, the sacrifice that Christ made. When you start to think about all of the things you did and all of the sins and some things like Paul said, uh, Paul says some things that we did when he was writing over there to the Ephesian church, he says some of the things we did, man, are not even worthy or worth discussing or talking about. Praise God. So, you know, when you start to think about the things that you've been forgiven of, the things that you did, the mercy of God, you know, 
that's that's something just just the gospel message itself you know up in the in the in the near future i'm being honest which i really going to spend a lot of time just reflecting on the fundamentals of the gospel the bible calls it good news you know and and why is it good news because to somebody that's in bondage to a behavior that they can see clearly is ruining their life there's a way out of that to somebody that may be dealing with a depression of some kind the gospel the gospel is a beautiful message to let people know that there's an alternative to suicidal thoughts because a lot of times and that touched me because i had a guy that worked with us and he was a vendor does some work for us at the car dealership and um he didn't see a way out and i'm praying for his family you know he felt like that was the solution and Praise God, man. You just got to keep people in prayer, people that you're meeting. <laughs> because there's a lot of people hurting. There's a lot of people going through depressions and, and discouragements and, and, and sicknesses in their body. But just different things they're battling. And the gospel, I got your number. I'm going to save it, my brother. The gospel message is, is something the world needs to hear. You know, people need to know that there's hope in Jesus Christ. You know, people need to know that Jesus can really, first of all, man, he can solve your sin problem. The scriptures say, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I mean, what a beautiful scripture. All that simply means is that every sin that we've ever committed in our life, when we come to the Lord Jesus and we, we, we repent before him and we, I mean, he literally takes, he forgives us of all of the things he forgives us of all of our past transgressions. It doesn't matter what somebody thinks about us. It doesn't matter how somebody else feels. It doesn't matter if humans don't feel we're worthy to be forgiven. It doesn't matter what happened last night. It doesn't matter up until the point when you hear the gospel. When you hear the wonderful gospel of Christ, I can't think of a better story to reflect on. And, and then I'm going to get into what, God bless you, sis. I'm going to get into what, just a quick word I want to share with you. But I'm just sharing with you my heart. You know, I've really been thinking about how Paul talked about it in the book of Romans. And you should let this give you hope and courage and encouragement. How Paul said the godly, he said, for a righteous man, one would scarcely die. He said, but while we were yet sinners. And I want y'all to think about that. <laughs> when you were in nightclubs and and just doing just i mean just man just whatever we wanted to do before we came to christ just think about that man i'm talking about the gospel message is one that god forgives us of whatever it was and that's a beautiful story and not only forgive you this is the second layer to that this man was literally put on a cross and took my penalty man that is something in itself to be grateful for he literally got on the cross and took the penalty for my sin, just me, my one person, and all of you too. Man, what a wonderful saving. So in the coming days, I want to just talk about the gospel and all that. But tonight, man, I want to talk about, y'all share this because I really want to encourage some people. Because the reason I want to encourage some people, man, is I, as, I've been, as I've been just feeling the heaviness on people, as I've been feeling the discouragement on people because i've been seeing just the mental battles and the, the spiritual battles and 
sometimes people just get defeated, man, and then they face so many things, and sometimes they get they give up or whatever and get out of the race. But I want to take you through a couple of passages of scriptures, you know, just something God put on my heart to share, and it encourages me, and I'm, I hopefully it encourages you. So what I'm going to talk about tonight is just a quick word of exhortation, I guess you can call it about. He gives power to the faint. He gives power to the faint. God bless you, sis. He gives power to the faint. So I want y'all to write that in there, maybe hashtag that, so we all can can kind of wrap our minds around so that we all can wrap our minds around the fact that he gives power to the faint. And that's a beautiful message. And I want y'all to just walk with me through some of these scriptures because now more than ever, this passage that I'm getting ready to read to you, I know it's going to connect in your heart. And a lot of you, by the Spirit, I know you're going to be going through this. So hopefully you can find your way to mentally place yourself in these scriptures that I'm getting ready to read. And if you can place yourself in these scriptures that you that I'm getting ready to read, then you're going to be able to receive what God wants to do. He want to give power to the faint. And so let me just walk you through this. So let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. And y'all just concentrate with me tonight. David, therefore, I'm going to 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. And the title of this little exhortation is He Gives Power to the Faint. It says, David, therefore, departed there. But David was going through a battle, guys, and, and he was just facing some life issues. And as I grabbed the setting of this story and meditated on it, and I started thinking on it, first thing that happened, David himself, even though he was uh, called to lead, and even though he was in a position when God had anointed him, God had gave him a task, God had let him know who he was and, and what he was going to be, he was facing a lot of adversity in this season in his life. And it was a necessary season of adversity, but even though it was necessary, that didn't diminish the fact that he was going through it, okay? So David departed there, and he wanted to get away from all of the things he was facing. So he escaped to the cave called Adullam. He got in that cave, Adullam. Now, the cave is a place, if you just know geography, if you just, just kind of understand some of the topography of the earth, okay? A cave is a dark place. There's no light in there. There's no, you can't, you can't get there. You can't, you can't, uh, the cave is a mental place. Physically, the earth's structure of a cave is set up to be dark, cut off from communication, isolated, uh, to yourself alone. Okay. So here was David in this kind of, he kind of quarantined himself, I guess is kind of the word I can use that's fitting. Okay. So David went to this cave and he quarantined himself. And he was going through so much, even though he was anointed, even though he was called to lead, even though the call of God was on him, and even though the prophet had spoke in his life, his destiny, he still would found himself in a season in his life where all he wanted to do was sit in a cave and quarantine or isolate and disconnect from the world and be in darkness. See, that's why I wanted you to get into this story with me. Because David, he was seeking um, to be by himself. Peter, you, I mean, we humans. I'm sure you've been in some seasons in your life where you didn't want to call. You didn't want to text. 
You didn't want to be followed up on. You didn't want to, to be bothered. You were kind of just going through so much. You felt like you just kind of wanted to be by yourself. Well, the danger in that is the enemy can come and he can talk to you and he can make you forget, number one, just who you are, man, as the, as the creation of God. A lot of times we go through, and I'm speaking this from my heart because I've been dealing with a lot of people that's just discouraged and down. And a lot of times the voice of the enemy comes and he'll try to get us to, to concentrate on all of the scenarios that we're facing and try to discredit in our mind who we are to God. He'll try to discredit in our mind that on paper, this is what the saints of God have to learn. You have to learn what this biblical contract says concerning you. The scripture says when you become God's child on paper, on paper, there's nothing you can do. When you become God's child on paper, receiving his spirit, born into his kingdom, on the documentation in heaven, people, that's a status. That's a position. That's a seat. That's a, a relationship. On the paperwork of heaven. How many of you know Jesus had what's called the Lamb's Book of Life? And so what happens is when you become born again, you go into the role book of heaven. You go into God's Roll book, just like when you were in school, they had you in that roll book and you said your name here. So it is in the courtroom of heaven, in the documents, in the filing system, on paper. You are still God's child. It doesn't, what you're facing and what you're dealing with and what you're going through, it does not change what's on paper. On paper in heaven, God is seeing his son and God is seeing his daughter. That status changes when we go back into the world. But as long as you're still on paper with God as his son and his daughter, then you've got to learn how to decipher through the emotions, the mind battles, the things the enemy speak to you, because nothing you face changes what's on the paperwork of heaven. Because it's a contract. The New Testament, that word testament means contract. When you go into a contract with God, then he fills you with his precious spirit, but that is the sealing of a contract. That is a sealing of an agreement, and that brings you into a status with heaven. That doesn't change because you're going through battles with the enemy. That doesn't change. The only way that changes is when you voluntarily decide that you no longer want to enjoy that status with heaven. But as long as you're walking in that status in heaven, that's settled on paper, okay? So once you know that's settled on paper, then you've got to learn how to decipher through the mind battles, how to decipher through the guilt when you mess up, how to decipher through the condemnation when the enemy try to make you feel like you're no longer on paper, when in essence, you stay on paper until you start walking in a lifestyle contrary to violating the covenant of God. Will somebody say, I'm on paper. I mean, it's just that simple. If you're born again, you're on heaven's paper. You're his son. His DNA is in you. His breath is in you. His word is in you. His, 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 his covenant is upon you, praise God. And we have to know that as believers because when you start educating yourself in scripture and things to that level, then that's the sword of the spirit, okay? And the sword of the spirit is the word of God. So if you're not educating yourself in the doctrine of the Bible, if you're not educating yourself on your status with heaven, 
then when the enemy comes to fight you, then you won't know how to combat it. Because what causes the spirit to be able to effectively combat the enemy is the word. The word is the sword of the spirit. So if you're not giving the spirit man word, biblical truths, biblical concepts, biblical principles, when the spirit lifts up a standard, the manifestation of the spirit lifting up a standard is grabbing the word. So whenever the enemy comes at you, you tell him, man, I'm on paper. It doesn't matter what you say about me. If God be for me, who can be against me? Number one. And number two, greater is he that's in me. See, then he that's in the world. So nothing that goes on changes your status on paper with God. There's nothing Isaiah can do that can make me say he's not my son. If he goes, if, if I mean, my DNA is in him. It's just that simple on paper, on his birth certificate, on his birth records, where he's registered. That's mine because he is of my seed. So on paper, whenever he face issues in life and he face challenges and he face problems, as his father, I'm obligated to get in those problems with him and walk him through them. So saying some God, you on paper with God. And he wants you to know that. And there's things in the package of being on paper with God. Healing is the children's bread, Jesus called it. It don't matter what we face. On paper, the children's bread is healing. That's documented. That's ours. Like, it's for us. It's us. There's nothing the enemy can do when you're on paper to void, make void the contractual agreement that we enter into with God. On paper, we are his sons and daughters once we're born of his spirit, period. You got to know that in your mind because the enemy is going to try to make you focus on the scenarios of life and play on your emotions and play on your mind. But when you educate your, your, that's why Paul said the renewing of the mind. When you educate your mind in the word of God, that's what keeps you in sync with what's on paper. Now, sometimes what you feel is not in line with what's on paper, but you got to get in prayer and stay in that word until your whole spirit is in sync with what's on paper. Okay, so somebody say, I'm on paper. All right, so David got in his cave and he was seeking to isolate himself because a little spirit of depression came upon him. He wanted to be isolated. And I can understand in this season we're dealing with in 2020 that there's a lot of saints of God that are in caves right now, mental caves and spiritual caves, and you're, you're trying to isolate yourself from being contacted and rescued. But praise God, you have people that love you, you have a God that love you, and he will not leave you in that cave because there's no shadow he won't light up, and no wall he won't kick down, and no mountain he won't come climb up running after you. And you need to know that it's the reckless, endless, selfless love of God, and it's just the way he is. Amen. And somebody need to know that. So don't sit in that cave. And when his brethren and all his fathers heard it, they went down to meet him. Saints of God, listen to me. When, when you are in a church family, and when you're in the kingdom of God, and when you have a, a, a community of believers around you, and they hear that you're going through things, they're going to come reach out for you because they love you. They're going to pray for you. They're going to, and you have to discern who's really in the spirit of meekness coming for you because they're good. there's good people in God's kingdom that really love you. And you can't let the enemy make you seek refuge in a cave. And David, as anointed and as powerful and as high as his seat was, he just faced a season in life where all he wanted to do was dwell in the cave. 
Look what gathered to him in the cave. Lord Jesus. Everyone that was in distress. Can you imagine going through a cave season in your life? And the last thing you need in a cave season, you need in a cave season, is somebody else that's stressed out. The last thing you need when you're in a cave season is somebody else that's 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 hurting. And you already in a cave because of what you're dealing with. And now somebody else that's stressed want to join you in the cave. And everyone that was in debt. Y'all, debt, that's why God teaches us to try to stay out of debt. Not try to do it. They say, oh, no man, nothing but to love them. Because a lot of debt, when you make X and you got a lot of debt, how many of you ever just kind of had to pick which bill to pay? Well, that's not a good feeling. When you get a check and then you got to sort and you got to pick, okay, this week I'm going to pay this. I'm going to avoid this phone call. I'm going to try to get. That's not a good feeling when you have to juggle your bills. So think about it. The first person that came to him was a man that was stressed. The second one that came to him were people that were in debt. Man, debt is stressful. Amen. And then look who else came to him. Everyone, everyone that was discontent. So David's spirit is already down. Somebody that was stressed came meet him. Somebody that was in debt came meet him. And then somebody that was just not happy with their life came meet him in the cave. Lord Jesus. And the Bible said they gathered to him. That was a, a pitiful spiritual gathering because nobody in that cave came in that cave with joy. Nobody in that cave came in that cave with strength. Nobody in that cave came in that cave praising God. Nobody came in that cave excited about life. Nobody came in that cave looking to future, speaking vision, talking about building and encouraging. The leader was discouraged. Then everybody that heard he was discouraged felt like, man, I'm going to air my grievances too. That Can you imagine the spirit, the lack of energy, the negativity that was in that cave? That was not a good place to be. But that's life sometimes. Sometimes you can face so many different scenarios in life. Sometimes help challenges can send you to the cave. Some, I mean, y'all, it's just a whole host, a litany of things. I can name all kind of things. Praise God, that can send you to the cave or cave season where you just don't want to be bothered. You want it dark and you don't want to be rescued. But look at how this story continues. And David went there. Okay. Everyone that was discontented, they came to him and he became a captain over them. You ever had to lead when you didn't feel like leading? Can I say the amen on that? Because once you are acknowledged as a leader, it's almost like you don't have the right to just take a moment to be human and feel discouragement and, and feel down. But, you know, when, when you are established as a leader, when people look at you, all they are expecting to see 24 hours a day, seven days a week is strength. But here's the beauty of it. What you're going through, it doesn't change who you are. Because even though David was in that cave, and even though David had that all of this depression and anxiety and unhappiness all in that cave, that did not change what God had spoke over him as far as who he was. 
He was still anointed. He was just in a cave season. He was still going to the throne. He was just in a cave season. And look what happened. So here's what happened. So David became the captain over about 400 men. He was still looking to be the, they were still looking to him to lead when he didn't feel like leading. And David went there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said unto the king of Moab, let thy father and mother, I pray thee, let my father and mother pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God would do for me. He literally didn't know what was going to happen. See, he didn't have no idea what the outcome of this situation was. He knew God was going to do something. He just didn't know what it was. So look at verse 5. Here is the beautiful thing about this. Oh, my God, I feel this. This just touches my heart so much. It says, And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hole. Get thee unto the land of Judah. Somebody put in the hashtag, brothers and sisters, don't stay in the cave. I'm going to wait a second because I really want to see that. Because the beautiful thing about this is the structure. When God, see, God had his eye, and this is what I'm telling you. God had his eye on David in that cave. David probably didn't feel like God had his eye on him because his emotion just said, I just want to be alone. So on paper, God was like, that's still my son. And God still had his eye on his because on paper, that was his. But in David's spirit, he didn't feel like, he didn't feel like in his spirit, his spirit wasn't in alignment with what was on the paperwork of heaven. Praise God. Hallelujah. He didn't feel in his spirit. He wasn't in agreement with what heaven was thinking about him. See, how many times we go through things and we fall out of agreement with what heaven is thinking and feeling toward us. But that is the job of the enemy to get your mind and your emotions out of feeling what and out of alignment with what heaven is feeling towards you and think about this so god had his eyes on david he had his mind on david his destiny didn't change his 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 status with god didn't change praise god on paper god said that's mine in david's spirit he didn't feel like god's he probably was wondering if i'm serving god what in the world is going on? I just, I mean, y'all can amen that because I can amen that because, I mean, I've been through that. I mean, that's part of this walk. You go through these mind battles and these emotional swings, but the beauty is you can always bring your spirit back into agreement with what's on the paperwork of heaven. The paperwork of heaven is the word, and it's so beautiful. So here's what happened. God had his mind still on David, praise God. So he inspired that prophet. Then he said, hey, prophet, David is in a cave. That's not my will for him. That's not my design for him. That's not where I want him to be right now. I understand. That's how he feel. But if I allow David to stay in the cave, then all of these 400 people going to, if David don't rise, then the people going to stay down too. And that's what you got to realize, people of God. You are, as a leader of, in ministry, on your job, 
<laughs> leading your kids, whatever capacity that you serve in, you are a leader in that capacity and in God's paperwork, that don't ever change. A father can be a David type. The mother can be a David type. No matter what you're doing, you can, any leadership role is a David type. And people are going to look to you, David, for strength even when you don't feel like leading. Praise God. You need to know that. So on God's paperwork, blessing my cousin, Brother Dave. So on God's paperwork, people of God, the paperwork of heaven does not change concerning you facing according to what you're dealing with. You need to know that because that's how you live intelligently as a Christian, okay? <laughs> so the concept here is that David's, the prophet was inspired by David, by God, because God, because David was on God's mind. And that's why God inspired me to share this with you because you may be feeling like you're in a cave and you may be feeling like the paperwork of heaven is not on your side, but God want me to let you know that you are still his son, still his daughter, and the paperwork of heaven still has your name on it. And what you feeling may not be in alignment with what the paperwork of heaven is saying, but it's still true concerning you. So that's why he sent the prophet. And when the prophet came, when the prophet came, the prophet told David to get out of the hole. God don't want you here. That's not where God wants you to be. God don't want you cut off. God don't want you by yourself. God has called you to lead. Find a way. Praise God. Bless him, sis, sister Des. God wants you to find a way to, 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 to make sure, praise God, that you get your emotions, your mind back in sync with the paperwork of heaven. Because the paperwork of heaven is immutable, like you can't change it, okay? So all of you that may be, hopefully God put it on your heart to tune in. And just to, I just want you to know that a couple of things, and then I'm going to go to this last uh, over here and we'll get, I'll get out of your way. <laughs> uh, I want you, God wants you to know that the paperwork hasn't changed. To what he, when you were born into his kingdom, he documented it. He put you in his roll book. He discharges angels to watch over you. He know everything you're thinking. He know the mind battles. He know what Satan is speaking in your mind. He know you feel like being in a cave. He know you don't want anybody bother you. He know you don't want to answer that phone. He know you saw that text and you ignored it. He know you don't want to be in church right now. But God sent me tonight to tell you, get out of that cave. Because the paperwork of heaven has not changed. He loves you dearly, unconditionally. He will light up that cave to come get you. He will go in the mountain to get you. There's no shadow he won't light up, no wall he won't kick down, no mountain he won't climb up coming after you. I don't know how that make you feel, but I know how that makes me feel to, to know that I've got somebody in heaven that loves me that much that he won't just tolerate me sitting in a cave. And not just because he has called me to do a work, but because he loves me unconditionally. Whether you serving in ministry or called to a high seat or a low seat or whatever, the love of God is not predicated towards you based on what you're doing in ministry. The love of God is set towards you simply because he loves you. The scripture says that God so loved the world. I mean, people, I think we need, I think, I think, I think, and I'm going I'm to try to put this in like layman's terms. Because <laughs> some... <laughs> I can understand why people uh, struggle to grasp the concept of the depth and the intensity 
and the passion of the love of God. I couldn't understand that. Let me tell you why. Because a lot of people hasn't haven't they they never experience the type of love that God introduces to them. Maybe through a, a broken background or a dysfunctional past or somebody you love broke that trust or whatever. You know, we grow up in, in many different walks of life. But a lot of times it's hard to grasp the depth of the love of God, the rationale. I mean, the scriptures talked about the rationale of God's love. Look what Paul said. He was trying to rationalize and he said, for a righteous man, one would scarcely die. I can see Paul in his mind trying to rationalize. He's trying to rationalize. How could a human being that's literally spotless, that's literally blameless, that's literally guiltless, that literally violated nothing in the scriptures to put his life in the hands of wicked men to crucify him? of an, an excoriating, painful, merciless death innocently for people that may never even accept what he did or understand what he did. Rationally, that's why Paul wrote that, because he was trying to rationalize the love of God. And that's what I want to communicate to you, just the simplicity and the pureness of the gospel of Christ. It is good news to my soul and to my my spirit that somebody would take my place when I was at a season in my life, as the scriptures call it, lost. Like, think about it. Lost. Weed head, chasing, whatever. I mean, it's not even worth rehearsing because it's not something to be proud of. But when I reflect, when I reflect on the penalty, hallelujah, that he paid for me, when I reflect on how undeserving and how unworthy and how, man, the scriptures say when you were in the world, God wasn't even on your mind. It says that I remember those days. Man, I, man, God, oh, man, God was, that was the furthest thing from my mind. Praise God, a holy life. And here's God raised up uh, Pastor Tucker and sent him to Dillard University when I'm in New Orleans. And he sent the beautiful gospel of Christ into a campus, a college campus. And I heard the glorious gospel of Christ. And it pricked my heart so much until I heard the voice of God and responded to God offering salvation to me. Man, there is literally no more beautiful story that exists in the world than the gospel message. It is the most beautiful thing, the most beautiful story that exists. There's no movie can touch it. There's no blockbuster you can write. There's no script you can write to, as, that's as compelling, that's as intense, that's as passionate. I mean, the gospel is a passionate appeal to man from their creator to come back to him and that I caused my son to die for you regardless of how much you did. Only exception is blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Pedophiles, child molesters, rapists, murderers, addicts, homosexuals, don't matter. His arms wide open. 
He said, I stand at the door and knock. Man, there's no more beautiful story. Praise God. I can feel the Holy Ghost all over me as I share this with you. I mean, he Paul said he he said he was compelling men to come because when he got the rationale of an innocent lamb dying in the place, he said he was a chief sinner. When he started to grasp the concept of a pure lamb dying in his place, it was mind boggling to him. And he would summarize it in such fashion like, oh, the depths the riches of the grace, the unsearchable riches of Christ, because you can't humanly rationalize, praise God, how God can love us so much to go and require his precious, blameless, spotless, innocent, only son to take the place of the most basis, abominable human acts that's inexplainable it's unexplicable but only love can override rationale and cause somebody to make that kind of sacrifice so every one of you watching me tonight you need to revisit the message of the gospel of christ god so loved the world and he's talking about you that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him, listen to me, because there's no reason you should perish in the cave that you're in. Because there's no reason that the depression you're facing should overtake you if you believe in the Son of God. Because there's no reason suicidal thoughts should overtake you if you believe in the Son of God. Every problem, there's a solution for us through the, the paperwork of heaven that we're entitled to as long as we believe in the wonderful. That's why I love Jesus so much. And the more I learn of him and the more I study, it's no longer me serving him out of fear of hell and fear of penalty. But I want to please him. I want to serve him. I want to give him my life. Hallelujah. Because of he gave his for me. And it's just that simple. When you understand that he gave his life for you, what is it to make some sacrifices to please him? I understand how Paul can say, I'm an ambassador in bonds. I'm Christ's bond servant. I'm Christ's slave. Because when you understand what he did for you and the passionate love that heaven has for you and for me, how can you not surrender when you start to understand? When you start to understand. <laughs> So God wants you to know, saints of God, that the paper, paperwork of heaven, you official, and you on his paperwork, and he loves you dearly. And I think, praise God, that we've got to learn how to embrace the love of God. Don't base the love of God on the past experiences that you've had by people that were supposed to love you because of the uh, their position on paper in your life. Because a lot of times the people on paper in position of paper, or I guess I'm, I'm just trying to word this right. I'm just trying to word it. Just because somebody is on paper in your life, blood, they may misrepresent love. And you may get a false representation of what love is. And you'll start basing your experience with God on a false representation of what somebody showed you was love because they were on paper as supposed to love you. I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. 
So don't serve God out of fear. Don't serve. If you're still serving God from the fear level, then you don't know him. You, you, you don't study enough scripture. You don't spend enough time in prayer. Because, man, you, we got to move beyond serving him for fear. When you start learning the beauty of his heart, and the the I mean, his heart is so beautiful, man. His heart is so passionate toward us. His 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 heart is so man. He said, "I rebuke kings for your sake." He said, "Man, I God say, man, I I'll move people. I he say, I I'll make your enemy your footstool." Oh, he told David when he messed up, he said, man, David, I gave you everything. He said, if that wasn't enough, I would have gave you more. All I'm requiring is disobedience. Like, I mean, man, it's, I don't serve God out of fear. I'm going to be honest with you. I serve him because as I'm learning more about him, man, how can I not love? So let me go. So get out of the cave. His mind is upon you. His paperwork is toward you. Before I talk about the destiny as a person. He loves you. He don't just love you because you gifted. He don't just love you because he's called you to serve. He loves you because you are a human being. You fearfully and wonderfully made. You created in his image and his likeness. And when he's calling you out of sin, he's calling you out of sin, not because he's trying to control you and tell you what to do, but he's calling you out of sin because he loves you so much to know that the sins that you do that violate his word, they destroy lives and they ruin other people. They hurt you and they hurt other people. And that's why he calls us out of sin. He calls us out of sin because sin hurts people. Sin hurts God. So God is not calling us out of sin because he don't want us to have pleasure. He's calling us out of sin. Everything that he does is motivated by love. He calls us to holiness because holiness is what's best. Praise God. Because it's what's best for you. It's best for your health. So God called him out of that hole, out of that cave, and he's calling you out of that. The paperwork of heaven is towards you. Let me finish this up. Let's go to 2 Samuel 23. And this is for you to just show you that he see you in that cave. But I got to show you what 37 of these men turned into. But now the beautiful thing about this, the beautiful thing about 2 Samuel 23, I pray that the word of God is finding good ground because the scriptures are so beautiful, man. I love God's word. I mean, I really do. It's a beautiful book. It's the greatest book that exists. All right. So 2 Samuel 23, praise God, verse 8. And I just want to show you that this is how your life can transition. The first thing that God want to do is he want to love you out of your sin. He want to love you out of that cave. He want to love you out of that depression. He want to love you out of that adultery. He want to love you out of that fornication. He want to love you out of it. He wants you to know that he's calling you out of these things because they will hurt you. Now, I'm moving to this because here is the transitional piece. God called him out of the cave first because he was a person, number one. And number two, because he had work for him to do. He had an assignment for him. And with that assignment, within them, and this is what I want you to catch. While you are in your caves and while you are in your moments of depression and while you are in your seasons of discouragement, the gifting, the abilities, the intellect, the, the, uh, the assignment, the divine appointments that God, those things are still in you. They're just being suppressed by circumstances of life. 
But God calls you out of the cave, number one, because he loves you, but also because there's some mighty things in you that he got to, that there's things in you that the world needs. There's things in you that society needs. There's things in you that the communities you live in need. But when you're in seasons of cave moments and depressions, the people that you're called to serve, they can't benefit from what the giftings are in you. They can't benefit from it because those cave seasons are suppressing what's in you. But on paper, your status is the same and what's in you is the same. And there's scripture on that. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. That doesn't change because you're in a cave season right now. You are still who God has called you to be, even if you don't know. So let me just show you real quick what these mighty men transitions to. The leaders, listen to this. Number one, as a leader, people are going to expect you to lead even when you're discouraged. They, a lot of times people don't give tolerance for leaders to go through cave moments. Leaders go through them too. One of the greatest things you can learn how to do as a leader is when someone is calling upon you for strength to try to put compartmentalize what you are going through and allow God to help you. Because the worst thing you can do as a leader is let the things you're facing stop your service. Because people are now acknowledging that you are a leader, so you can't withdraw. Even the Bible says that the high priest is surrounded by infirmities, but he still has to serve. So God know where you are, leader, that you have your own set of problems to deal with, but people still coming to you because of what's in you. Praise God. So let me just show you the transition that they, when they came out of the cave, okay? When they, when they came out of the cave, when the leader put himself aside and he started building up what was around him. See, you got to learn how to build up what's around you. And when he built up what was around him, what he poured into him began to serve him back. Let's look at this in 2 Samuel, beautiful passage, and then I'll let you guys go, okay? Verse 8, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. But let me just give you a little summary. The Tachmanite that sat in the sea, chief among the captains, the same was Adino the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. Uh, Adino came to David in a cave depressed, in debt, and unhappy with his life. David being the leader, depressed and going through himself, he poured into Adino, and the, uh, when he got that mental blockage off of Adino's mind, and Adino became so mighty, the mightiness was in Adino when he came into the cave, but he needed David to pull him out, but David needed the prophet to pull him out, but the prophet had to wait from God for God. So God spoke to Gad, Gad spoke to David, and then David started pointing to Adino. Same process Jesus told Peter, when you're strengthened, go get your brothers. So a lot of you, you are called now, as God is calling you out of the cave, now it's time for you to go find Adino, because that Adino that's under you, or that's serving on side of you, this man had the capability to take a spear and slew and slay 800 men by himself. That might was in him, but it was suppressed by what he was going through. And that's what God wants you to know tonight. 
The might that's in you is recorded in heaven. You are a package. And what's in you is still there. But I got to tell you, get out of that cave. So what's in you can come back and be served. You can serve society. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David. Look what he did. When they defiled the Philistines that were there gathered to the battle and the men of Israel were gone away, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people turned after him only to spoil. Y'all listen to what just happened. Oh my God. Now, let me calm down because I'm sitting down. I felt like preaching right there. Let me settle myself down. I saw that. I felt that. Look what happened here. The, the army was fighting the Philistines. The army was in battle. The army had enough. The majority quit. But this man that David built up, this man had developed such a mental fortitude and allegiance to God and allegiance to David because David spent time with him in his weak moments and built him up. He was so loyal that in his mind, if I die on this battlefield, we're going to see victory. He said, I'm going to see victory. And look what happened, y'all. His hand Clave to the sword. He was so tired. He wasn't fighting. Y'all, listen. He wasn't fighting from his physical realm no more. He was fighting from his spirit. And from his spirit and from his mind, he had zoned out to such a fashion because he was built up by that man of God and by the word of God. He grabbed that sword and he just started swinging. And when God saw that he was determined, that persistence and that determination that was in his DNA, when it came to the surface, he claimed, the Bible says his hand became one with the sword. Praise God. His, his hand and his life, his hand stuck on that sword. And then because of his determination, God got in that fight with him and he dispatched that angel. Then that angel grabbed that sword with him and just started swinging. And when he looked up, all the Philistines were destroyed and slayed. And guess what happened? The people came back and all they came back to was victory and spoil. But he started his career in ministry, coming to David distressed, in debt, and discontent. You never know who you're serving. Serve everybody that God bless you to serve because you don't know how great they can become. Because you just believe in them. You pour into them. You stick with them. No matter how many times you got to help them get through the same trial. Because when they get it together, look at the possibilities. Look at the possibilities. So never give up on the people that God bless you to serve. Praise God. That was beautiful. Look at the next one. I'm going to just give you a few. I get excited about the word, so I don't want to keep you too long because I know we're in a short attention span culture. I get that. Just give me a few more minutes because I want to leave this with you. And after him was Shammah, the son of A.G., the Harahite. The Philistines were gathered together in a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. A field had nothing but beans on it. And the people fled from the Philistines. The people took off running. 
but he stood in the midst of the ground and he defended it and he slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. The Lord don't need a lot of people, y'all. The Lord does not need a lot of people. What the Lord needs is people that's willing to come out of their caves at his call when he beckons them to come out. See, a lot of you, he ready to change your season. He ready to change it, but this word is coming to you to call you out of the cave. Time for a shift. God is saying, okay, you've been in the cave long enough. The mental cave, the emotional cave, I'm ready to shift you. God is telling you, I'm ready to shift you. Listen to me, people. God is ready to shift you out of them caves. But you're going to have to focus and lock in your mind mentally. And the Bible said that man stood in the middle of the field and defended it. And God... The victory wasn't his, but all God needed was somebody that was willing to get in the middle of the field. See, I was somebody texted me something today, and I was having a little conversation. <laughs> and we were talking about the scripture that says uh, the harvest is plentiful, praise God, <laughs> but the labors are few. But then the scripture said, look what Jesus said. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. He owns the harvest. The Lord of the harvest, all souls belong to God, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So what the perspective was, the harvest is God's, but he's looking for people that's willing to labor in this vineyard with him and partner with him and co-labor with him. The scriptures say we co-laborers together with God. It's God's harvest. Your mother that's not saved, that's God's harvest. Your child that's not saved, that's God's harvest. He just needs people that's willing to labor, that's willing to get out of the cave and get in this field and defend this field and go to work. All right, I'm almost done. And three of the 30 chiefs went down and came to David in the harvest time into the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephim. And David was then in a hole and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. Y'all listen to this part, please. It is literally so beautiful. <laughs> and David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. A lot of you heard this scripture before, but listen to the beauty of it. It's a wonderful scripture. And he said, and there the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. And they took it and they brought it to David. But nevertheless, David would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. Then he said, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. It is not, is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives. Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did the three mighty men. Oh, my God. Look how beautiful that scripture is. <laughs> These men loved David so much because David put his personal problems aside and he served them. And when David had a need, they came back and served him. That's why Jesus took that apron and, and that towel and he washed them feet. He said, I'm doing this as an example. See, the way you get people to submit and you get people to, to get on your team and you get people to want to serve side by side with you is by first doing like Jesus 
did. He said, I'm doing this as an example that this is how we should serve one another. And because David washed their feet first when he needed his feet washed for water, they put their lives on the line and they risked it all to bust through the stronghold of the Philistines to make sure David had his need met. And that's how you get people to serve with you. Man, put your, put your feelings to the side. You got to be selfless. Serve the people of God. Serve humanity. Serve humanity. And when people get strong, and when people get mighty, and they become all that God has called them to be, they're going to return the favor and they're going to turn around and be a blessing to you just like you were a blessing to them. So, man, serve everybody that's around you because you never know when you're serving a mighty man or mighty woman of God. And one day that same person is going to put their lives on, on pause to serve you. That's being a servant. When you serve people, man, people are going to serve you back. And that's the example that Jesus laid. That's the example that Jesus laid. All right, so let's wrap this up. Come in, I hope you heard the word of the Lord. But let me give you this last scripture in Isaiah, and we can go. Praise God. I just wanted to share that with you as God was pressing it upon my heart tonight. Isaiah chapter 40, and I'm going to just give you this, and I want you to let this spirit touch you because this is what God wants to do. This is a divine scripture. It's not something I'm reading just to read. Because it's a popular scripture, but it's an actual importation that God wants to do because a lot of people are fainting in caves. Verse 28, Isaiah 40. Hast thou not known, Isaiah 40, verse 29, 28. Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainted not, praise God, neither is he weary. Our God does not give up. He don't quit. He's not a quitter. The scripture says he's a man of war. There's no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. Praise God. And to them that have no might, to them that have no might, he increased strength. Hallelujah. If you're finding yourself in a season where you feel like you don't have might, that you you don't have strength, that you feel like giving up tonight. 2020 has been crushing you. I told you this is the year of crushing. And some of you, praise God, I hope you can watch this by yourself and you can really be honest with yourself and you can say, man, I'm really like this. But there's beauty. There's beauty. He gives power to the faint. The faint means the individual that's ready to give up. The individual that's quit, the individual that has no more hope, the individual that doesn't see a way out, that doesn't see. You can't, you can't medicate a mind that's ready to give up. You can't medicate a soul that is depressed. You can't therapy that. The the, the remedy for us, a soul that has given up, a soul that's broken, a, a damaged soul can only be repaired by the one that blew that breath in us. See, some of you, you need healing at the soul level. We broken at the soul level. We in bondage at the soul level. Pills can't do anything for your soul. Addictions can't fix the soul. The only thing that can fix the soul is the one that blew it into us. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Praise God. 
that he can give power to the soul that's faint. Praise God. And to them that have no might. Praise God. That you want to fight and have no fight. You want to swing, but you can't swing. You don't have the strength. He said, if you have no might, he increases strength. He does that. We got to be humble enough to realize that he can pick us up from this predicament. He can give us strength. Praise God. Even the youth shall faint and get weary. God is letting you know, praise God. He is letting you know anybody can get weary. I don't care how strong you think you are. I don't care how, how uh, anybody can face seasons of being weary and faint. He said, even the youth can faint and get weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait on God, that keep serving, don't get out of church. <laughs> keep answering your phone. Don't stop singing. Don't stop preaching. The way that he's talking about is more in lines of when somebody's serving at a restaurant, not somebody idly waiting for something to happen what the scripture is saying is even when you feel weak keep preaching even when you feel weak keep testifying even when you feel weak get up there and open in prayer write that song uh, 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 write that book i mean whatever god has put in your spirit keep doing it don't let the enemy stop you from doing what god has called you to do i don't care what you're surrounded with I don't care how defeated you feel. I don't care how discouraged you feel. I don't care if nobody understands you. I don't care if they slander in your name. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if people don't understand why you do something. We all going to be misunderstood sometimes, praise God. Many people are not going to understand your assignment. Sometimes to your assignment it may be unpopular. It may go against the grain. That's a good indicator, praise God, that God is with you. Praise God. But you need to know, keep doing it. I mean, listen, if you gotta, if God has given you a task and it's your time to go serve, and you gotta wipe your face and put a smile on your face, keep doing it. <laughs> if you don't even feel the joy in it, keep doing it. Man, listen to me. Let me show you the human side of Jesus. The scriptures say he despised the shame. Every assignment that he had wasn't pleasurable. Every assignment that he had wasn't joyous. The scriptures say he despised the shame. Why you think he had to pray so hard in the garden? Because his flesh wasn't in line with the paperwork of heaven, and he agreed to it. He had to keep praying, say, God, if there was another way, move the cup, take it away. I don't, I can't, I don't feel like it. His flesh was telling him to quit. Praise God. His flesh was telling him to give up. His flesh was telling him don't do it. Cause he one time he got he he said things like this. How long must I bear with you? Sometimes the people you serve can weigh you out. He said, What if you see me go back up to heaven where I was? Sometimes the the assignment can weigh you down, praise God. But God see you, man of God. God see you, woman of God. His eye is upon you. His Feelings toward you haven't changed, praise God. His heart toward you haven't changed. His intention for you haven't changed. You wait upon the Lord and you keep serving that people. You keep serving the body of Christ. You keep serving your husband. You keep serving your wife. You keep serving your children. You keep serving at work. You keep serving. Somebody echo that for me. Say, keep serving. Somebody put this in there because I want people to get this. Waiting on the Lord means to keep serving. 
And what this scripture is saying <laughs> is in the midst of your serving, the strength will come back. In the midst of you serving, the, the spirit of God will come upon you. When, while you serving, while, man, serve while you discouraged. Serve when you get frustrated. Serve when you feel misunderstood. Serve when people slander in your name. Serve. I mean, just keep serving. Hallelujah, Lord. You keep serving. Because if you keep serving, you're going to feel the Holy Ghost come over you. That's what these men felt. When they were, when his hand claved to that sword, that was the grace of God that came over him. When, when that man was going to get that, 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 uh, 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 that water for David, the spirit of God came over them. When you feel that adrenaline coming over you, that's the spirit of God coming over you. Keep writing. Keep writing your books. Keep writing your plays. Keep singing in your music. Keep writing your music. Keep serving and teaching your Bible studies. Keep preaching on Sundays. Keep preaching in the jailhouse. Keep preaching in the streets. Whatever you're doing, whatever God has called you to do, you keep on doing it. You keep on doing it. And y'all, this is a beautiful concept. I feel this in my soul. But this is a beautiful concept. That if you keep serving while you are serving, the Spirit of God is going to jump in that service with you. And you're just going to start feeling your strength coming. Because you made up in your mind to keep serving. Hallelujah, Lord. That's where the strength is going to be. He said, but they that wait on the Lord, that keep serving, going to renew their strength. Never let the devil tell you stop serving. And don't let the devil push you in a cave. You come out of your caves. Tonight, say, I'm coming out of this cave. I'm not going back into my isolation. I'm not going back into... None, no, I'm coming out of this cave. God is shifting my season. Praise God. And they shall run. See, you're going to run again. You're going to run again and not be weary. You, God is ready to bring you into a season of running again and not being weary. And they shall walk and not faint. God is going to take that quitting out of your spirit. Praise God. I hear the Holy Ghost giving me one more scripture. Man, let me just give you this, please. If you want to log off, feel free to log off. I don't ever want you to feel like you have to stay. But i got to tie this last scripture into this because there's proof on what I'm saying. And that's one of our mottos here in Life Change in Lafayette. Amen. I love Life Change. Such a beautiful ministry. Love God. Thank God. Pastor Mark and Eric and their lovely wives and their whole Houston family. Amen. Beautiful people, man. And wonderful people. If you're serving in life change in Houston, man, get in there, man, and, and be a part of the vision that God is putting those wonderful people, man. And God is going to raise you up while you're serving. Amen. Keep on serving, man. Don't let anything stop you from serving. Amen. Be a part of the vision. Be a part of the move of God. Praise God. And serve with all of your heart, man. And you let God bless you. Because when you start to serve, amen, that's how you become, amen, what God has called you to be. Let me just give you this last scripture and then we're going to close this up. It's over there in Hebrews chapter 11. I wasn't planning on it, so I don't have it written down. So y'all may take a little second to get there. I'm sorry about that. Y'all excuse me for that. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Okay, 
It's a faith chapter, absolutely beautiful chapter. Okay. Oh my God, what a beautiful scripture. Okay, so verse Hebrews 11, verse 32, the whole thing is faith, amen. But listen to this, and I promise you, man, well, let my yay be yay, my name be there. And what shall I say more? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson, and Jephthah and David and Samuel and of the prophets. So he gave a quick summary. Who through faith, praise God, you got to embrace this shifting season by faith. You got to take this word, mix it with faith or it won't profit you. He said, through faith, they subdue kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the sword, escaped the edge of the sword. It's quenched the violence of fire and escaped the edge of the sword. Now, listen, out of weakness was made strong. Out of weakness were made strong. So, listen, if you want to see this, receive this word that I'm giving you tonight about God shifting you out of the cave and God shifting your life right now, by faith, you've got to receive out of this weakness, God can make you strong. And they wax valiant. Catch this part right here. In fight. Beautiful scripture. It says they grew. Wax means grow. Valiant means brave. It says they grew brave while they were fighting or in the fight. So what God is saying is you got to get in the fight. Get back in the fight. Get back in the move of God. And when you get back in the fight and you start fighting again, you start praying again, you start fasting again, you start studying scripture again. He say, while you are doing these things, preach it again, praying at the altar, going to people's house. While you are doing it, in the midst of you doing it, you grow. Your bravery grows. Your strength grows. Your courage grows. The grace of God magnifies when you start moving. So when you engage in battle, the grace of God kicks in. I guess that's the best way I can say it. The grace of God, the strength of God, the power of God can't kick in unless you engage. When you engage, and sometimes to engage in battle, you got to override your senses. You got to override rationale. You got to override intellect. And when you override intellect and when you override what makes sense to do, it makes sense not to serve people that don't love you. But Jesus died for people that didn't love him. So when you override intellect, the grace of God will kick in and give you the strength that you need. So people of God, don't let your emotions, your thinking override what's on the paperwork of heaven. If you are born again on the paperwork of heaven, God's mind is towards you. Remember that. On the paperwork of heaven, you're official. You belong to God. You are God's. You are his. He's passionate about you. He loves you. He'll, he'll come up. I mean, listen to me. No, I keep saying that song. I may listen to that tonight. Matter of fact, I'm going to listen to that song tonight. No mountain he won't climb up. No. I mean... Don't let, that's why Paul said, closing thought, we walk by faith and not by sight. That word sight represents uh, the receiving of information through the human senses. Paul said, we don't walk by the information we receive 
from our human senses, but we walk by faith. We walk by what God has said. So human rationale may tell you to quit and don't serve. But by faith, you override that. You override that. And you get in the fight. Praise God. Somebody say, get in the fight. Come out of the cave. Let God shift your season. God love you. I love you. I say, God loves you dearly. I love you dearly. If he's dealing with you to come out of any type of sin, it's not because he don't want you to have pleasure. It's because he loves you and he knows that that sin can cause, praise God, damage to you, your relationship with him, or other people that love you dearly. So get in the fight. Let God shift your season. Take this word. No more pity parties. Come out of the cave. Don't let depression swallow you up. Let God heal your soul. Let God heal your spirit. Let him build you back up. Keep me in prayer. Keep us over here. Life change. Lafayette in prayer. Life change. Houston in prayer. And if you're watching from any other ministry, send it in the comments. I'll keep you in prayer. We are brothers and sisters. The beautiful, the beautiful organism of the body of Christ is global. So I'm going to pray for you to pray for us. We have an assignment. We just have one part in the kingdom. We're not the kingdom. We just have a part in the kingdom. So pray that God bless this campus to do its little part in the kingdom. Amen. That's all we after. We just want to maximize what God has called us to do. And I pray that whoever you serving, let your campus maximize what God has called you to do. And whoever you know that God will maximize whatever God has called you to do. Praise God. And and I'm going to leave you with this. I keep saying that. But I mean, I'm, I, I, you don't realize how much you read scripture. I'm going to leave y'all with this nugget. And remember, y'all can long off. I told you I love the word. I'm a word head. I ain't going to lie to you. I, I, I love that. I, I'm a word head. I'm not going to lie. I was thinking the other day, man, about when, when Jesus came to Peter. And he was calling him off of that boat. And I could feel myself winding down. So we getting ready to go. He was, he was, Jesus went, fit, Peter went fishing and the Lord called him and the Lord called him and he said, Peter, you love me more than these three times. And he was another guy. He was, that was his cave going back on the water. That was his cave. And Jesus called him back out of the cave and he said, Hey man, come off, off of that water. Do you love me more than you love fishing and whatever you're doing? And after the third time, he said, Lord, you know, I love you. The scriptures made note. He was grieved. His Lord grieved him. Calling him into ministry grieved him. Sometimes the calling can grieve you, but that's part of your growth. And so the calling grieved him. And, and, and so it was a beautiful passage. He said, he said, Lord, you know I love you. He said, you know I love you. And Jesus said, uh, feed my sheep, feed my lamb, feed my sheep. So he was telling him, I called you to serve the word of God to the wonderful people that's going to come in the kingdom. But look what Peter said. He said, well, what that man going to do? And it was John, it was uh, the, the scripture say the one that he loved that laid on his bosom, and that was John, because John, John laid on his bosom because he said, I touched him and I handled him because he put his head on his chest at the Lord's Supper. After he watched his amazing life, he wanted to know, man, you really human? And that's how he was able to write that he was the son of God and not God, because he laid on him, he heard his heartbeat and he touched him. And he watched him and he was able to say undeniably that that's a human just like me. I heard his heartbeat. I can hear him like we have the same substance. He's just like me. So Peter was, Jesus was giving Peter his assignment. 
Then he told Peter, and Peter, after he got his assignment, he said, well, what are he going to do? Then Jesus said, Peter, listen to me. What's it matter what he going to do? I just gave you your assignment. He said, but what if I let him stay alive until I come back? What's it to you? I can see the Lord like, man, that was a, that was a little rebuke right there. He said, why are you worrying about what John going to do? Why don't you just pray for John? That's your brother. Do you have a part? John have a part? All these other guys that's been with me have a part? But y'all pray for one another that everybody can do their part in the kingdom. Beautiful scripture. Look what Paul say. He know we know in part. If Paul, as high as he was, could say, I know in part. Man, I'm going to just say I know in a part of a part. Because that man had the mysteries of the kingdom of God. His assignment was absolutely amazing, taking the gospel all over. And even he was humble enough to say we know in part. We prophesy in part. We have, But all of these different parts and all the global parts of the world, they make up a beautiful body. And that's how God wants us to be, man. God wants us to be praying for one another, supporting one another, that everybody bring their part to whatever region they in all over the world we love each other we stay knitted in heart knitted in spirit to being there for one another man and i've been blessed to meet so many wonderful people in the body of christ and i pray that you meet a lot of them too so god bless y'all tonight man i gotta get ready for tomorrow my intent was literally to be on here quick but that's the holy ghost i told you i'm his servant so i just want to pray for you father god in the name of jesus i thank you for my brothers and sisters <laughs> God, that took a few minutes out of their Saturday evening to come and share the wonderful word of God with us tonight. God, I love your word with all of my heart. God, because I realize that man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth. God, and I pray, God, for everyone that tuned in tonight that may be in a cave. God, that something was spoken tonight to find them right where they are. God, send your word across the stream, into their homes, into wherever they may be. God, I pray, God, that you give power to one that may be faint. You increase the strength of one that has no might. God, let this divine thing that you decided to do tonight to be received. God, let it sink down into our soul and build us up and heal us and let the fresh wind of the Holy Ghost, God, breathe on your people tonight. God, breathe from heaven on your people tonight. The breath of God, the life of God, the DNA of God, the essence of God, the word of God, to breathe on us and revive us tonight. God, let the weary be strong again. Let the faint live again. Let the dead rise again. And those that are dead in trespasses and sins, resurrect them, Jesus. For you are the resurrection. You are the resurrection. Resurrect them. In Jesus' precious name we pray. God bless you. There's going to be many, many churches streaming tomorrow. Amen. Support your local church. And if you don't have one, pray and ask God to lead you. Amen. To a good stream or wherever you go that pray that God give the man of God a word to be a blessing to you tonight and everybody that tuned in. We love you with the love of Christ. God love you. And I pray you have a wonderful night. And if any among you sick tonight, I pray that God gives you divine healing in your body. Good night. And we love you.